0: Hey there, welcome to the Rim Church Podcast. We're so glad you found us. The Rim Church is based in San Antonio, Texas, and we believe in loving Jesus, building family, and changing the world. Wherever you find yourself today, we trust that it is not by accident that you're listening to this message, and we believe that God has something to speak to you right where you are. For more information on what we're all about, go ahead and visit us at therim.church or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: I remember when I got the call. And some of you know what call I'm talking about. I remember when I got the call that my pops, my grandfather uh, had passed away. He was one of the most influential men that that I've ever had invest in me. And I loved getting to watch him love his wife. And now as I'm a husband, I want to love my wife like he loved my grandmother, my mom. I love the way that he loved our f- family. He led us. I love the way that he discipled others, and he was one of my heroes. And I, I wanted to g- be, and I want to be just like him. And most likely, many of us we have a mentor or a significant other uh, that has had a profound impact on our lives. For one reason or another, maybe they passed away or they moved away or maybe we moved away and there was just this response inside of us. Tears of sadness going, why? I think the why is sad, but the why is beautiful. It's because they had a life that was meant for more. It was a life that impacted not just themselves, but those around them. So as we pick up today in Acts chapter 20 in our sermon series as we're going through the book of Acts meant for more, this is a scene that we find in Acts chapter 20. So if you have a copy of your scripture, and I hope you do, I'd love to invite you to meet me in the book of Acts chapter 20. And we're actually gonna jump down to Acts chapter 20, verse 36. This is what it says. And when he, this is Paul speaking, when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. There was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrow most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. They accompanied him to the ship, and they sent him off. These elders had gotten the call. These leaders of a church, their mentor, Paul, he spent three years of his life investing, discipling, coaching, empowering these men and these women. And now the Spirit has called him into a new place. And they're sad. They're sad because of the impact that Paul had had. And it feels like it's going away. But the good news is that there was an impact because Paul lived a life that was meant for more. And so today that's what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be looking at what are the characteristics of a life meant for more. And what we're gonna see here in Acts chapter 20 are the characteristics of a life meant for more Paul's inviting us into. And number one, the first characteristic of a life meant for more is simply to get a life and to share it, to share it with others, to get a life and to share it. Number two, it's to have a seemingly unique perspective on life. A characteristic of a life meant for more is to have a seemingly unique perspective. Number three, it's to be able to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. Looking at my grandfather, he embodied these characteristics. Why was his life meant for more? Why were the mentors in our life, why do they live lives that were meant for more? It's probably because they had some of these characteristics in their life. And so today we're gonna be looking at the characteristics of a life meant for more, to get a life, to share it, to have a seemingly unique perspective, and to be able to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. And so Paul's gonna invite us in to these characteristics. We've seen that he's sailing away But he's sailing away and he shared with these elders, with these leaders, hey, this is what a life meant for more looks like, the characteristics. And so that's the journey we're gonna be on today. So if you would, jump up with me. Uh, We're still in Acts chapter 20, but jump up with me to verse 18 and listen to what Paul says. "'You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time, from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials. That happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable, and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying here is the first characteristic of a life meant for more is simply this get a life and share it. Get a life and share it with other people. Look again at what Paul says. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time that I was with you. From day one, I lived among you. He had a life and he shared it with them. He was among them. The only way for people to know how he lived his life was if he shared it with them. He's saying, look at my life as an example. Look at how I've been following Jesus and how I've shared it with you. Now, for most of us, as as we're doing this journey together of looking at the characteristics of a life meant for more, we probably fall in one of two camps. The first one is you have a life and you probably really like your life, but you're not sharing it. You have a life, but you're not sharing it. And for maybe the other half of us, we're trying to share it, but we ain't got it. We're trying to share something that we don't actually have. Now, for those of us who have a life, we need to share it. Sharing it means inviting people into your life daily. Paul, in verse 20, or nineteen, He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Paul was sharing the life that he had. This doesn't just mean, hey, I'm adding a bunch of Bible studies or spiritual events or going to church. No, Paul is daily living life with these people. We need to get a life, but we need to share it. Transformation does not just happen once a week. We can't just come to a Sunday gathering and expect there to be much transformation. It happens in the everyday. What's interesting is in the scripture, when Jesus sends people out, he always sends them out two by two because we're meant to share this with other people. So maybe there's you're, you're listening to this and you have a life but you need to start sharing it and actually inviting people into it to steward the life that you've been given. And for other people, you're trying to share something, but you ain't got it. Uh, maybe you've got a bunch of coffee dates, maybe in a bunch of Bible studies or things that look really religious, but they actually foster little to no spiritual growth or kingdom impact because it's so detached from reality, so detached from the real world. So, may we be reminded of what Jesus says. I've come to give you life and life to the full, life abundantly. One of the biggest knocks against Christians is they are boring. Like, when I look at the life of Jesus, I don't see a boring life. Like, my, my guy was so enjoying of life that he was called a glutton and a drunkard. I don't know if you guys have uh, seen uh, the TV series The Chosen. Uh, if you haven't, I would super encourage you to because in it, you get to see Jesus not just as our Savior and Lord. He is those things. But you see him as a friend. You get to see him make fun of some of the disciples and laugh and party and enjoy life. And some of us, that's not the life we live. Our life is based on this superficial Christianity and Christian needs. We're saying all these things, but it doesn't actually impact anything. So when we talk about a life, this is kind of how I would define it. A full life has three components to it. It has a rhythm of growing upward and a relationship with the Father and loving Jesus. It has a rhythm of growing inward or spending time with other believers. And it has a rhythm of growing outward of people who do not yet know Jesus. That's what a full life looks like. Not just two out of three, or one out of three, but all three of those. That's a full and complete life. The first characteristic of having a life meant for more is number one, you need to have a life. We wanna have lives that are worthy of imitating. Would you actually want somebody to have your life? Sometimes I've looked at my life and the answer is no. My life is pretty boring when I look at the life of Jesus, people wanted to be with him because there's something different about how he lived his life. It was full, and he shared it with other people. This is what I want you to do. It invites you, maybe in the chat or in your journal, i love for you to write down three things that you're already doing. But I want you to think about it through the lens of upward, inward, and outward to try and write down one thing you're already doing upward, one thing you're already doing inward, and one thing you're already doing outward, to identify what your life is so that you can share it. And I'll just say this, if you're having trouble thinking about what you do upward, inward, outward, if you don't have those three components, you may wanna get a life because that's what life to the full looks like. That's what Jesus is inviting us into. So now that you've identified those three things, this is what I wanna challenge us with. I want you to invite two people, one believer and one unbeliever, into one of those three things this week. The good news is, if they don't show up, you're gonna do it anyways. And if they say no, keep inviting them. But to identify what is your life and how to actually share it with people. That's the first characteristic of a life meant for more. It's to actually have a life and to share it. Paul had a life and he shared it with these people. The second characteristic of a life meant for more, it's having a unique perspective. A unique perspective. Listen to what Paul says in verse 22. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit, He testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But watch this. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Paul had a unique perspective. The second characteristic of a life meant for more is having a unique perspective that's different than the the one that the world is telling us. Verse 24, Paul says, I do not account my life of any value except knowing Jesus, his identity. It's in Jesus. That's unique. That's wild. That's crazy. What is our perspective on the world? If we want a life meant for more, our perspective has to be more. Amen? Our perspective has to be different. It has to be unique. It gets to be unique because Jesus has come to bring a new thing. I think our unique perspective, there's really three things that even Paul is talking about here. Number one, he's saying that our unique perspective is that Jesus is precious. He's precious. Verse 24, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course And the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus. Paul saw Jesus as Precious. That Jesus wasn't just his Savior and his Lord. Jesus was his treasure in life. May we be a church that doesn't just talk about Jesus, but we treasure Jesus. He's the one that's on our hearts. He's the one that's on our minds. We would treasure Jesus. A unique perspective begins with seeing Jesus as precious, but it also begins with seeing that hell is real. Hell is a real place. Paul says this, Therefore, I testify to you to this. At uh, this day, I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He is innocent of the blood of all. Why is he innocent? Because he's proclaimed the whole truth of God, that hell is real. It's not on um, Paul's been faithful to proclaim that hell is real. He's proclaimed the full gospel. And church, if we really see Jesus as precious, We have to begin to know that hell is real and realizing that our neighbors, our family members, people we know, that without seeing Jesus as precious, hell is a real place. And just going, what would it look like for us to be a church that had the unique enough perspective to be able to pray for our friends and our neighbors that do not know Jesus? And knowing that Jesus is precious, but hell is real. Which brings us to the third point, a 3rd subpoint of having a unique perspective. Eternity demands a decision. There is a day coming quickly. We will all stand before Jesus. And does it break our heart that so many of the baristas we interact with on a daily basis, or the bartenders, or the neighbor that we wave at, They're destined for a real place called hell. Does that jack us up? I've got to confess that so often that's a theological idea, I believe, but it has little to no impact on how I live my life. I'm just going, when was the last time you were actually, and I was actually moved to tears because my coworker doesn't know Jesus. Are we praying for our coworker? Are we praying for them to know Jesus? It's a unique perspective. A life meant for more has to have a different perspective. Otherwise, there's no reason to be more and to be invited in to more. That's the second characteristic of a life meant for more. It's a unique perspective perspective. Listen, we've been in a season as a church where we've just said, hey, from now until Easter, every morning, Monday morning at seven o'clock, we're praying. I want to invite you into that prayer time to begin to pray, maybe even fast for real people with real names that you and I know that they would come to know Jesus. And because we see Jesus as precious, we see his heart for them. And so we're going to love them because hell is real and eternity demands a decision. Everything Paul did was to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So may this be the life that we have, and that we share, and we have a unique perspective. This goes back to like the life that we have. Does it have a unique perspective? Are we sharing a unique perspective? Some of us we have maybe we have a unique perspective, uh, but we're not sharing it. I just want to encourage you and encourage me with this, simply being friends or knowing someone's name is not sharing the gospel, okay? The gospel is about all areas of life, but may we be a church that doesn't just become friends with people I don't know Jesus. Yes and amen. It may take weeks, months, years, But are we actually trying to show them the character and love of Jesus and praying that over their life? May we not just have a unique perspective on our life, but may we even be willing to share our unique perspective. That's a life meant for more. Our culture today, politics, we're not gonna talk about it. Religion, we're not gonna talk about it. That's a life meant for now, not a life meant for more. I don't know about you, but I wanna live a life that's meant for more. So we want a life... We wanna get a life I wanna be able to share it like the Apostle Paul. We want to have a unique perspective on life. That's the second characteristic. And the third characteristic of a life meant for more is this, it's applying the gospel to absolutely every part of life. That's the third characteristic. The ability to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. Uh, a term I like to use, uh, it's called gospel fluency fluency. Uh, It's the ability to understand the good news of Jesus, gospel fluency, all of God's story, and see how it applies and changes and impacts every area of our life. Now, I'm from North Carolina originally, and uh, I was homeschooled until high school. Uh, But even then, I took Latin. So it's a dead language. You don't speak it. And even if I did well in the class, which I, I didn't, Uh, I don't know how to translate anything into Latin, no. Uh, So needless to say languages aren't exactly my strong suit, Uh, but a lot of us, uh, or a lot of you guys, not me, uh, especially growing up in San Antonio, uh, you probably, there's a good chance you may know at least part of another language. Some of you may even be fluent in another language. So to maybe illustrate this, there's a difference between knowing about another language, like I know what Spanish sounds like, I have no idea how to translate. I don't, I don't know the Spanish word for potato. I have absolutely no idea. I know a lot about Spanish, and maybe I even know a couple of Spanish words, but that's totally different than being fluent in it. Like for someone that just knows a little bit about a language, like if I, were, if I, if I let's say I did know something about Spanish, I would listen to something in Spanish, my mind, I'd have to hear it in Spanish, think about the Spanish word, translate it into an English word, receive it in English, think about how I want to respond in English, go back up to English thought, how do I translate to Spanish? And then come, it just takes so much time, right? Like it gets complicated, but for people who are fluent, I love, tra- I love watching translators. I'm so amazed at how they're just able to basically speak and not stop, like they're simultaneously listening and speaking at the same time because they're fluent. They're fluent in something. It's the ability to translate something without having to think about it. Now, hopefully that's a helpful illustration to think about, okay, how do we apply the gospel to every part of life? Gospel fluency. I think for many of us, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to the good news of Jesus, this is not just an illustration. We are not fluent. If we're honest, we're probably not fluent. In the gospel. yeah, we may know a little bit about it. We may know a couple of words that I can spice up and church up to make people think I know a little bit about a little bit or a lot about the gospel. But if we're honest, we don't know how the gospel applies to absolutely every area of life. Like I may know God created the world, but do I actually know how the gospel speaks into a season of singleness and how the gospel is better news? Or is there just like some, maybe even a couple of religious words I throw around, but there's actually no belief behind it? We need gospel fluency. We need to be able to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. Listen to what Paul says, chapter 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I'll say this again. Some of us have truth, but we don't know actually how to apply it to every part of our life. We know words about the gospel, but I don't know how the gospel speaks into singleness. I don't know how the gospel speaks into my fears of financial failure. I know theological truth, but I don't actually know how it's relevant in everyday life. And what Paul is saying us to us here uh, is even look at, um, excuse me, chapter 30, or verse 30. And from among your own selves, uh, I'm sorry, verse 31. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. What is Paul saying? For three years, every day, I was reminding you of how the gospel applied to every part of your life. With tears, that means into brokenness, into areas of unbelief. Paul is saying we need to be a people that know how to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. Why? I'm glad you asked. Look at verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. It's so important for us to be able to speak the truth of the gospel into absolutely every area of life. Why? Because there is a day that's coming, and brothers and sisters, I think the day is here where there are wolves that are coming up from amongst us that would even call themselves Christians and they're twisting parts of God's word enough so that people will be drawn away. And if we just know a little bit about something, but we don't actually know how to apply it to absolutely every area of life, if we don't know how to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life, someone else will tell us and we will believe them whether it's actually the gospel or not, because as much as we want to throw out religious terms and fool ourselves into thinking we actually know how to apply the gospel, probably hasn't actually transformed our life. I mean, someone knows a little bit more religious jargon than we do, we're gonna follow them. And may we be a church that says, that's not us. We want to believe the good news of the gospel. We want to get a life that, that we want to share with other people. We want to have a unique perspective. We want to be able to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. And so how do we do that? Apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. It starts with practice. Just like to become a translator, you have to practice over time. It's starting with where you are. What are you afraid of? Even right now in the chat or in your journal, just write down, what are you afraid of? What's stressing you out right now? What's a really hardship that you're going through? Maybe in an area of unbelief that you don't actually know if you believe something about God. Start there. This is what what I do. My, my The biggest area of unbelief, the biggest area of my life where it's difficult to apply the gospel is finances. I believe God is... You know, I believe God is in control, he's sovereign, all those things. But my fears about finances, what does it actually do? It tells me I don't really believe. The gospel has not taken root in my life to know that God is great, he's in control, so I don't have to be. So what do I do? I try and do things to put me in control. I start with where I am and it lets me know what I actually believe about God. That's where you start. But then watch this, remind yourself of truth. I then remind myself that God is great. God is in control. So if that's who he is, who who does that make me? Well, that that makes me someone that walks in his plan, that walks in his hands, that gets to know his heart. gets to see him provide. If he's a provider, I'm provided for. How do I get to live? Free, knowing that my dad is taking care of me. And it doesn't go away overnight. But over time, the gospel is beginning to take root in my life. It's beginning, I'm beginning to believe it, and it's it's good news. That we be a church that's able to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. And my grandfather had a life that was meant for more. He had a life, he shared it, he had a unique perspective, and he was able to help me apply the gospel to every area of life that we talked about together. Not just big theological concepts. God cares about your your gambling addiction. How does the gospel speak to that? Hello. Like the gospel is good news into absolutely every area of life. And if we don't know the, the gospel and how it applies, someone else will tell us and we will believe them. There are other men that lived a life that was meant for more, that had characteristics of a life meant for more. Martin Luther King Jr. He had a life and he shared it. He had a unique perspective for his generation. And he was able to apply the gospel to the areas of life that were going on in his generation. But most importantly, more than anyone else, Jesus had not only the characteristics but the character of a life meant for more. He had a life and he shared it. He taught us how to live and now he's invited us into the journey. He shared it to the point of death because he knew that we would never be able to do it on our own. He not only had a unique perspective, but he had the perspective, not only for his generation, but for the globe. And he was able to apply the gospel to absolutely every area of life. What are his parables? The parables of Jesus? It's him applying the gospel to every area of life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life that anyone who come to the Father comes through him. So if you want a life and you want to share it, it starts with Jesus. And if you want not just only a a unique perspective, but the perspective, it starts with Jesus. And if you wanna be able to apply the truth of the gospel to absolutely every area of life, it starts with Jesus, it ends with Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus. It starts with Jesus. So if you're looking at the characteristics of a life meant for more, you can't have it without the character a life meant for more. And the character is only found in Jesus. We can't create characteristics. We're given them by Jesus and His Spirit transforming us, of teaching us what our gospel identity is and how we get to live in light of that. Jesus has a life. He lived the perfect life and He's inviting us into it. He wants to change our perspective and speak into every area of your life good news. And so if you're starting with characteristics, but you've never found the character of Jesus, let us know. We would love to introduce you to King Jesus because he's he's good. And he has something to say about every single area of your life and of my life that we might see him as precious because he's our King, he's our Lord, and he's our friend that we get to walk with. So church, I'm gonna give you 120 seconds to think about what is Jesus saying to you? And what is he asking you to do about it? To walk in obedience, how you get to live in light of what he's asking you to do. The church, take 120 seconds and think. Do you need to get a life? Do you need to start sharing it? What's your perspective? Is it a gospel perspective? Is it a unique perspective? Or is it the same perspective that everyone at your workplace has? Is Jesus precious? Is hell real? to you? Do you believe eternity demands a decision? Or is there an area of your life where you don't know if the gospel actually applies? Take 120 seconds. What is Jesus saying to you? And what are you going to do about it?
0: Thanks so much for listening. We hope that today's message resonated with you. It's our hope that you wouldn't be merely inspired, but that you would actually be transformed by something you heard today. At the RIM Church, we always ask two questions when processing God's word. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? We encourage you to take a moment, reflect, and then to share with a friend or send us a message. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you and how we can help you take your next step in obedience. Until we meet again, we love you, church.